0: Okay, like we said, we shall be sharing on Titan this morning. Uh, it is very possible that I may not be able to finish all that I'm supposed to say, but this will be sufficient for us to make some progress in our lives. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, first of all, I want to mention two names. I have in the course of studies I'm not just talking about the Bible but no, literally people who have lived and practiced this principle I have up to seven names that I give to you that have really been able to demonstrate the principle of Titan but I want to mention at least two that you should know very well how many of you know this toothpaste called Colgate you want use to brush them out yeah that is is by william colgate and colgate started tightening when he was a youth colgate the toothbrush i mean that paste you use in brushing your mouth is named after the manufacturer or the man that owns it you have colgate uh paste creams and all of those stuff when he was a youth he started his life with what? With titan. One thing I want to make you understand now is this. The fact that you're tightening today doesn't mean you will get the result today. So I want you to first say so that you don't get shaken. Why am I tight? I'm not getting results. No. There is an accumulation of what you are doing now. That is why you must not stop. Hallelujah. So he started tightening when he was. A young man, he started with tent. he went to two tenths, three tenths, four tenths, five tenths and then saved enough to live on and he gave the rest unto the Lord. He started very little but he found out the more he was going the more the whole thing was expanding. So he had to save at the end of the day. He began to give all to the Lord and he was just living on what he can just say for himself. Every other thing he gave to the Lord. How many of you know Quaker Oats? You've seen him before? Huh? You know Quaker Oats? You buy in the store? Aha. Uh-huh. That is Mr. Cromwell. Mr. Cromwell is a dangerous title. Now, some of the people you are seeing let me also say this now see, titan works for (laughs) it works for even those who don't go to church because it's a law, it's a principle now you've heard about quaker Oats. you didn't know how the man came into prominence he was a very dangerous titan (laughs) the secret of some people's success are hidden from even the church. And they call it blood money. It's not all money that are blood money. They are just financial principles that are been observed. Part of what we was teaching this morning, an unbeliever can observe those things and still be very rich. Hallelujah. Then we have people like John D. Rockefeller. Hmm? Okay, let me read the financial wizard of the world began tithing at the age of 8 years he said I have tithe on every dollar that God entrusted unto me and I want to say to you that I could not have been able to tithe on one my first million if I had not tithed on my first salary which was $1.5 that is $1.05 a week This man became one of the richest men in the whole world. He started tightening when his salary was $1.5. I'm not talking about a million. A week, $1.5 a week, he started tightening. So, it is not the issue of whether you have money or not. But Rockefeller is, in fact, one of the richest in the whole world. This was where he began from. At the age of eight, at the age of eight, he started practicing what Titan. Are you listening to me? Excuse me. Then we have this man called <coughs> Late R O G. Let me is the manufacturer of earth-moving equipment, just like Caterpillars and all of those stuff. This guy went, when he became a believer, he went into coming out with God and then he started tithing in a very dangerous way. His business went up. Then he came to a point and said, okay, I'm not going to be tithing again. I'm going to, these two, three years, I'm going to walk. I'm going to save so much money and give the lump to God. Within those periods, his business began to dwindle. He couldn't even pay his staff. He began to owe. He realized and recalled himself and said, no, this is not the right thing. He went back to God again and said, God, I'm sorry. I'm coming back to the covenant I had with you. As soon as it started, within three weeks, the business breaks up again. He paid up his bill. It was established. The business took on, on a fine note again. I just will have to give you these simple examples. There are others. I'm, talking of, I'm not talking about things in the Bible. I decided to read this so that you can say, I'm talking of those who lived and have lived in this world. Who practiced these principles. So, we're not talking of things that are not practicable. We're not talking of things that men have not tested. We're not talking of things that Abraham alone did. I'm talking of what men. And good enough, you know, people like Colgate, you know, people like Quakehaut, and I can still mention a series of other people. Most people, you see their names on the market with... Dangerous labels. they are practicing this thing behind the scene. Praise the living God. If I look at First Corinthians 4 verse 2, the Bible says, Moreover, it is required in stewardship that a man be found faithful. What does that mean? It simply shows that tithing, all the finances that come to us is not our own. We are just stewards of God's money. So, the Lord is saying, out of that which I have given to you, give me one tenth and use the rest. So, if you pay your tithe, it's simply an act of good stewardship to the Lord. You're only a steward of God's money. Psalm 50, he said, If I'm hungry, I will not call you. If I'm thirsty, I will not even ask you for water. So, because a cattle and a thousand here belongs to me. Remember that? If I'm hungry, I will not ask you. God does not ask you for money if he's hungry. He's not seeking your help. But these things are given to you and then you are supposed to handle it as a good steward. So he said, it is that important that you know that you are just a steward and then you need to be faithful on that. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay. Look at 7 Corinthians 3. The argument is, tithing is an Old Testament principle. But I want to read a scripture here to tell you something. 2 Corinthians 3, if you look at verse 13 to 14. And not as Moses quit put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not suffer the look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were darkened, for until this day remaineth the same veil. Listen closely on taking away in the, in the, in the reason of the Old Testament which veil is done away in Christ but their minds were blinded for until this day remained the same veil on taking away listen closely the book is both you may call it Old and New Testament but the truth is remember what Jesus did in the story of Lazarus and the rich man, that we are, we are considering, he said, "Let them read Moses and the Law." Am I correct? When Jesus walking on the road to Emmaus, from where did he interpret or explain to the people who he was? From the same old book. So the problem we have is this: the veil that was in the, in, the, in the eyes of Moses is affecting us when we read the Old Testament. So that we don't see the truth in the Old Testament. So we call it Old Testament. All because we have a veil in our mind. That makes it difficult for us to comprehend what is written there. So we give the excuse that that, that's an Old Testament book. That is not true. It is the same God who wrote the Old Testament and wrote the New Testament. Am I correct? Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Now let me ask you this. If you think it's so much an Old Testament book... Why are you claiming Abraham blessings? Because that is an Old Testament statement. Why are you claiming Abraham to be your father? He's an Old Testament man. So you see, we don't deceive ourselves. When it comes to responsibilities, we shave it. And we say it's Old Testament. Because now it's affecting our cash. Hallelujah. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Now let me make this statement here as well. If you look at the book, which is what you call the Old Testament, there are what we call moral laws and sacrificial laws. Is that okay? The sacrificial laws were all fulfilled in Christ. The moral laws are still obligatory. See, I don't know how the church believe and preach this. The same people who preach that the Old Testament is no longer in vogue and uh, we are now in the New Testament and touching the Old Testament principle, the same people come from the Old Testament to preach parental causes on you. Am I correct? Where are they taking it from? From the Old Testament. So why is it that when it comes to parental causes we believe but when we come to Titan, it is old. You think we are deceiving ourselves? Okay, let me ask you this question. The Bible says, Thou shalt not steal. Where is it written from? Old Testament, the book of Exodus. Am I right? Now, should we steal today because we are in the New Testament? But that is a moral law, it's a moral obligation. So when you come to moral obligations, you don't have to begin to say this is Old Testament, this is New Testament. That is not true. The moral obligations, the moral laws of God, they run across from the old down to the new. Don't you excuse yourself from tithing because somebody told you it's an Old Testament principle. It's a lie. It's a moral obligation that has to do with financial principles. Amen, somebody? Can't you ever see that the men that really, really taught precisely, like people like Apostle Paul, they will always back up their statement from the Old Testament. Have you read it? Read the book. Most of the statements of Apostle Paul were backups from the Old Testament. Hallelujah. But here we say, well, it is an Old Testament principle, so we don't have any need of it and so on and so forth. That is not true. That is not accurate. And like I said, This one is a moral obligation. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter chapter fourteen. Deuteronomy fourteen. Praise the Lord. Are we there? Okay. Do me 14? Are you there? Okay. So let's begin to read from verse 22. Thou shalt truly really tithe all the increase of the seed that the feet bringeth forth year by year. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there. The tithe of thy corn and of the wine and of thy oil. And the firstlings of the herds. And of the flock. That thou has learn to fear the Lord their God. Hallelujah. God was giving them this instruction. This is what you ought to be doing. Now, this is what I told you last week. Somebody asked me this question. And the Bible said we should eat our tithes. With our children. And with the slaves. And with the Levites. So what you don't understand is there is this yearly tithing that has to do with what is accumulated and taken to a place where God needs to be worshipped at the end of that year or at the end of three years. For instance, remember the eunuch that was baptized by Philip? He left Africa from Ethiopia to Jerusalem for the worship. That is the annual worship and it was the Pentecostal period. Now, what does that mean is, God could choose a place to place His name that is where everybody would go to that year to do the worship. So, essentially, in the first place, His name was in Shiloh. So, what He's saying is, this tie to put together, when strangers come to that feast, you get what I'm saying now? All of you should eat from that portion of tie that you have gathered together for that annual festival. That have nothing to do with the tithe that goes to the priest. This is the yearly tithing which, to an extent, we may not be able to be practicing the way it's supposed to be. Because God's name is not going to be located anywhere now. is anybody following what I'm talking about now? Understand me. But don't you forget. He said, even if you read the whole of that chapter, you're going to see what I'm saying. Even if you must take this and say, don't forget the Levites. Don't forget the strangers. Is that okay? You don't have to eat it in exclusiveness of the Levite. The Levites are included. And like I told you before, the major principle was, like when you talk about the storehouse, we have the choirs, we have the gatekeepers, we have the sweepers and all of those people that are supposed to be within the temple. These people are meant to be fed from this particular tithing that was supposed to be in the storehouse hallelujah now it was because the people of israel failed to do this thing and failed to carry it out that is why Malaika had to make the prophecy that he made because like i explained to you you can check Nehemiah chapter 10 and then chapter 13 you read all of that all the people finally decide to go to their farms to walk so it's like they were not being paid they couldn't see anything to eat their family were suffering and so they decided to go to farms to go and walk and the house of god was left empty and so god began to cause their own productivity let me explain something now you may not like it if you treat your pastor in a way that is groaning within though he may not make you see it like he was trying to say something could still be happening behind the scene to you. Did you hear what I said? You know, he said, we, 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 we kind of can swallow something and still speak faith to you. But we can be groaning. If the groaning is caused by you, for withdrawing what you are supposed to do to us to be happy, it will fall back to you. That is what happened here. When the people were not receiving what they are supposed to receive, they decided to go and farm. Some of us We didn't burn our certificate, they are still intact. So let those who are zealous that can burn your certificate because they said Elisha burned his own. I didn't burn my own, my own are still there. Very much alive, well laminated. So not even rain can destroy it. Are you getting what I'm saying now? That's the point. So these people went and said, well, since you are not bringing what is supposed to belong to us, let us also go and farm and feed our people. And God now said, you are caused with a cause. The reason is because what you are supposed to do, you are not doing it, and those who are supposed to serve me in the temple, they've gone to the farm. Therefore, your own farm will not produce. So their farms were not producing. They begin to cry to the Lord, God, what is this problem about? Malachi now spoke, this is the reason why your farms are not doing well. So you see, your relationship to the man that ministered to you has a lot to do with even your own business. Can somebody help me say amen to that? <laughs> somebody say, Pastor, don't threaten me. I'm not. I'm only saying the truth, as I find it in the scriptures. Are you there with me? Okay, let's move on a little bit. Now, did Jesus support Titan? That's a very good question for us to answer. Did Jesus support Titian at all? Can we look at the book of Luke chapter 11 verse 42? Luke 11 verse 42. But woe unto you Pharisees for your tight means and rule and all manner of hearts and Passover judgment and the love of God this ought ye to have done and not to leave the order undone. What is the order? Is it correct there? Come on, are you there with me in your Bible? Luke 11.42 You ought to have been doing all this you are doing You shouldn't have left the others undone That means you do mercy, you do justice, you show love You also include what? Your titan So you don't show love as the exclusiveness of titan That's not what Jesus said Is that okay? Hallelujah. Now look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness that exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Is it saying pay above what the Pharisees were paying? Not exactly so. But the point is this. This new dispensation, as you will call it, Has to do with that inner conviction and cheerful giving of your tithe. It's not compulsion. The Pharisees were doing whatever thing they were doing to be seen of men. But when you pay tithe in the New Testament, it has to do with... Okay, let's read this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 6 to 7. The Bible says... But this I say he which soweth spirally shall reap also re spirally, and which so bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according to his purpose in his house, so let him give not grudgingly or out of necessity. For God a cheerful giver. That word cheerful is what I want to pick out. In the Greek is hilaros. Hilaros is from where you, have, where you have the English word hilarious. Now hilarious means something that makes you cheerful. Is that okay? Are you following what I'm talking about? It's when somebody is hilarious, maybe laughter or things like that, you are happy doing it. The principle of the new order in your pain of tithe is that it should be done hilariously. With joy. Hallelujah. Most of the apostles are made in South Africa and some other nations that have visited. If you are paying your tithe, they come to stand there. They are not hiding their own. They come to stand there. Because to them, the Bible says, give the tithe to the priest and he bless you. So once it is time for tithe, they walk out of your seat and stand there. This is my tithe. God bless you. They put it in the basket. That's how they collect it. They are not ashamed about it. It's not a matter of hiding an envelope and dropping it somewhere. and bring it. Because the tithe should be given to the priest. Number one. Tithe is not institutional. Let me explain it. Tithing is not meant for the church upkeep. Or for the church treasury or account. No. The tithe is for the priest. I will explain that. But basically, here we say, the tithe is to be given cheerfully. It's not by compulsion. It's not by rules. It's not by laws. Hallelujah. Are you hear what I'm saying? Praise the living God. Now, who owns the tithe? Let me see if I can put all of this into one CD for you. Who owns the tithe? Leviticus 27 verse 30. Who owns the tithe? Leviticus 27 verse 30. The Bible says, All the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land, or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. And if a man will at all redeem out of his tithe, he shall add there unto a fifth part thereof. And concerning the tithe of the head or of the flock, even of the whatsoever passeth under the rod, the ten shall be holy unto the Lord. Who owns the tithe? See, when you talk about the ten that passeth under the rod, you know what that means? They were shepherds. Now, when you are trying to remove your tithe for the feast, yearly, what you do is to take your rod and put some maybe paint or whatever on it. And then you allow your flock to pass before you. As they pass, you become a one, two, three, four. When you get to the tenth one, you put the mark there. It goes there. All the one you marked, they belong to the Lord. That's why he talks about that we pass it under the rod. And he say, if you have to eat your tithe, you pay a fifth part. That means you are paying about 20% or thereabouts. By implication, you are loaning it. It's not your own. So if you ate your tithe and you are eating your tithe, go and make your calculation. You pay the interest. God said you, you can, but you must pay the interest. Unless some of us will begin to cry to the Lord today for forgiveness. So that they become bad debt. that have to be cancelled. Am I talking to somebody? <laughs> but he said you have to pay interest if you eat it at all. And how many of us are free from that? No hands are up. <laughs> no hands are up. Serious. <laughs> so you'll be eating it. Okay. He said, calculate the interest and pay. Read that place very well. Leviticus 27, 30 to 32. Just read it very well. Show your husband, show your wife, and show whoever is next to you. If you eat your tithe, God said, "Well, you are free to eat it, but you pay interest on it. Why? Because it's not your money. So, as that when you eat it, you loaned it from the Lord. Because said the tithe belongs to who? Unto the Lord. Is that okay? Let's prove that from the New Testament. Matthew twenty-two. Let's prove that from the New Testament. Mighty twenty-two. Are you there with me? Verse fifteen. Then when the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. And they went out and they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true and teachest the word of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regard not the person of men. (laughs) Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and, and said, "Why tempt ye me, you hypocrites? Show me the tribute money." And they brought unto him a penny, and he said unto them, "Whose is this image and superscription?" They said unto him, "Caesar's." Then said it unto them, "Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and listen. And unto God the things that." Are gods now? The question is, what belongs to God? Listen, if there was anything they were looking for to entangle Jesus, where they ever failed, it is the issue of titan. Is that all right? It's a "Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar." Why is it? What did he say? Caesar is the head of the government. Is that all right? So pay tax to Caesar. And in God's kingdom, God is the head. Pay your tithe to God. That's what Jesus is saying. But you see, we can easily pay our tax to the government, but we don't pay our tithe to God. But Jesus said you must do both. Give to Caesar who belongs to Caesar because he's the head of the government. So pay your tax. Can't you see your big boss on the road? Pay tax, we do road. Pay tax, we do road. Isn't it? We'll give you clean water. We'll give you tar road. We'll give you electrification. We'll put in your Christmas light just out of your tax money. Is that all right? That's what the government does. So what does the government of God do with the tax you are bringing in? We take care of widows. Take care of orphans. Don't you know a pastor can give scholarship to people in the church? Where is he supposed to get his money from? Hmm? you are paying tax to the government but you are not paying tithe unto God and you want the house of God to run don't you see how God can be so grieved with you by implication, you have more respect for the natural government than you have for God you fear the police that will arrest you than you fear the devourers that God will send to you let me explain to you when he says you are caused with the cause if you pay your tithe I will rebuke the devourer the devourer are like the tax collectors in your natural setting. Do you understand that? When you don't pay tax in any government setting, they send people after you to make sure you pay your tax. If you are a company and you are not pay, they can even close it down. Are you following what I'm talking about now? Even so, in God's kingdom, you are not paying your tithes there are devourers that is sent to collect this tithe from you. So the role of the devourer is to collect the tithe of God. So whether you pay or not, you will still pay. Because you can go free. Just as you have the natural policeman or whoever to collect the tithes for government, even so you have the devourers to collect the tithe from you. Whichever way you are still going to pay. Hallelujah. Are you understand what I'm saying? Okay. So you can understand that Jesus supported Titan for what he said. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. It's a tithe that belongs to God. You've got to give God his own money. That's why I say you are robbing me. And all robbers, they have a place they can go to. Hallelujah. And people argue again, like I said, Abraham is Old Testament. Of course. Did Abraham pay tithe? Of course. Was that before the law or after? It was before the law. So Abraham tithe predicted the law. He paid tithe before the law came. The law came for around 30 years later. After Abraham had paid his own tithe. In the book of Genesis, chapter 14, verse 18. You can read that. Now I want us to read those two things because we are going to marry them and see something. Genesis 14, 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thy enemies into thy hands, and he gave him tithes of all. Is that Okay? Alright, people now say, well, the tithe has to be the spoil. There is something that they don't understand. Now get down to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. Look at what he said. I'm reading from verse 4. Now consider how great this man was. That's Melchizedek. Under whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tent of the spoils. And verily that are of the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the who have a commandment to take tithes of the people, according to the law. That is, of their brethren, though they came out of the loins of Abraham. But he, whose descent is not counted from them, received tithes of Abraham, and blessed him that had the promises. Now watch this. If you watch this passage, two priesthood are being compared. Am I correct? The priesthood of the Levite and the Melchizedek priesthood. But look at it very critically. Both priesthood received the tithes. Am I correct? Melchizedek received the tithe just as Levi was commanded to do what? To receive the tithes. Now you say, well, this is a New Testament order. Of course, we're in the Melchizedek order. And we say, well, all of us are in the same priesthood. You lie. Let me explain what I mean. Israel had 12 tribes. But according to the book of Exodus 19, Israel was a kingdom of priests unto God. So the whole nation was a priest. Am I correct? But in the midst of the whole nation being a priest there was still the high priest and the Levitical priesthood. Does that make sense to you? So even when Peter said we are a royal priesthood, very accurate. But within the house, which is the royal priesthood, there are the fivefold ministry that God has given. Is that all right? Am I talking to somebody? Let me explain this to you. Somebody once spoke this to me when I was in Lagos. He asked me some question and he said, we are all equal. I said, well, there's nothing wrong by saying that, but it's relative. Why is it so? If we are all equal, then I shall have no need to teach you, nor the Lord. For all must know me from the least unto the greatest. That's what the Bible says. But we have not come to that yet, have we? No. And as long as we have not come to the place where everybody knows the Lord on equal level, there are some people that God has sent To minister to his body. They represent the high priest of this new order. Do you understand what I'm talking about now? So you have no argument whatsoever. Because the whole nation of Israel was a kingdom of priests unto God. But within the kingdom of priesthood unto God, there was the high priest and the Levitical priesthood. Even so, in this royal family that we are, there are also the five-fold ministry. With God has said to equip the saints until we all come to the stature of the measure of who? Of Christ. That we have not achieved. Therefore, the five-month ministry is still functional, And as long as there is still a man ministering to a man, that man has a right to receive your tithes. Can I hear an to that? So no argument whatsoever. Let me explain something. Some people say, well, there is not a like, full-time ministry. Well, whatever terminology you want to use for it, it is still full-time. Full-time means they are doing nothing else but to preach the gospel. So if you like, use another language for it. Which other language are they trying to use? Uh, full focus, full, full... All these are just nomenclatures of grammar. It doesn't make sense. Full-time is full-time. By that, we know this man is not doing another business. And God specifically calls some people to do that. When he called Matthew, Matthew didn't go back to task collecting. When he called John, John didn't go back to fishing. Am I correct somebody? So we turned those people full time. Now, when you look very critical to the book of Luke chapter 8, you remember how that the Bible says Jesus was moved from city to city in preaching with the 12 disciples and the rest of those people. And then people were ministering, substances. where do you think Jesus was taking care of those people that were following him? From the post. Which post was that? It is the same thing as the storehouse. Are you hear what I'm saying? People were paying and giving money, and Judas was in charge of the stars like a treasury. It was the same thing that happened in the Old Testament. That is where people like Peter can take care of their family. Otherwise, Jesus will have made the disciples to be worse than an infidel. How did I know that? The Bible says a man who cannot take care of his household is worse than what? An infidel. Put me worse than an unbeliever. Now we know that Peter had children because he had a mother in law. So where was he taking care of his mother-in-law and his children? It's from the post. Am I talking to somebody here? Otherwise, Jesus would have made Peter to become an unbeliever. Or was an unbeliever. But we know that Peter was paying his family, taking care of his family from the post that they were carrying about. They had the storehouse. They had the treasury. Are you there with me? Praise the Lord. So here we have two priesthoods. And that, like we said, we have the priesthood of the Leviticus order, and we have the priesthood of the Melchizedek order, which is king of righteousness or king of peace, as the case may be, if you will. Now, look at something. Galatians 3. Galatians 3, look at 26 to 29. Are you there? For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ. Verse 27, Galatians 3. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ are put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither born nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. Are you there with me? Okay, go to John chapter 8. You are Abraham's seed. How many of you believe you are Abraham's seed? You believe that? Okay, we are children of Abraham by faith in Christ. John chapter 8. Let's read from verse 38. I speak that which I have seen with my father. And you do that which you have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, If you were Abraham's children... You will do the works of Abraham. But now you say to Kimi, a man that I told you the truth, which I've heard of God. This did not Abraham. Now watch this. If you are Abraham's seed, what did Jesus say you should do? You should do the works of Abraham. What did Abraham do? Why are you deceiving yourself? You want to claim the blessings of Abraham, but you don't want to do what Abraham did. How are you a child of Abraham then? What do you sing in the church? Abraham's blessings are mine. Why not we also sing? Abraham's works are also mine. Hallelujah. Are you there with me? The Bible says, if you are truly Abraham's seed, the proof of you being an Abraham's seed is to do what Abraham did. And Abraham paid Like I always make us understand, listen to me. What I know, think about it the two priesthoods. We have one priesthood in the new order and one father in the new order. Who is our father in the new order? Father Abraham. Because the Bible says we're Abraham's seed. Who is our priest in the new order? Melchizedek. Am I correct? Listening very closely to what I'm about to say. If you want to talk about your home, You are in the family of Abraham. If you want to talk about your function in terms of ministry, you belong to Melchizedek. Am I right? These two people that own your life practice the thing I'm talking about now. Abraham and Melchizedek practice what? Tithing. One gave, the other did what? Received. Why would Abraham and Melchizedek do a thing that they know will cause their children to stumble in years to come? Are you there with me? They should have known, Mercury should have known, that if he received the tithe, it's going to cause trouble in the church that is going to be established. Am I right? So the fact that he received it shows that he approved it, that the new church will practice it. The fact that Abraham gave means that he approved it, that my seed will pay tithes. Hallelujah. Let's look at some benefits. Do we still have some time on? Let me see if I can squeeze it. Praise the Lord. What is the benefits of tithing? One, when you pay tithe to a high priest, you purge your image of the third generation of your seed. And that you can find in Levi. So you talk about Abraham paying tithe, purging the third generation which has to do with Levi. You know what happens? Abraham got Isaac, he got Jacob, and then Levi came up. Now, he connected ahead to the third generation when he paid tithe to make his wreck. Are you following what I'm talking about now? So what you do today, connect with your third generation to come. You are laying a foundation for your children's children to enter into financial rest. Because when Levi came, because he already did that in the loins of Abraham, the law came that all of you should pay tithe unto who, unto Levi, because it connected third generation of his children's children. What you do today accumulates for your children to reap tomorrow. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? All right, praise the Lord. Now, for you to purge your third generation, you need to connect back to Levi. <laughs> I'm gonna show you something now. See, Abraham played titan connected to the third generation, which is Levi. Now Levi becomes a custodian of Titan. Are you there with me? Come on, are you following what I'm talking about now? Fine. Now for you to walk ahead of time, you have to connect back to the principle of the practice of the man who is now the custodian of the law of Titan. So in your pain tight, you are connecting back to Levi. are connecting back I moving mean forward to your third generation. That the freedom that Levi experienced, you begin to experience it. And then your third generation will come into financial rest. Are you following what I'm saying now? Because look at it this way. You can say, Abraham blessings are mine." What are you doing? Through the sacrifice of Christ, you are connecting back to Abraham. Hello? Am I correct? Through the sacrifice of Christ you are connecting back unto who? Unto Abraham. Now you are tapping into the root and they begin to see the root working for you. Through the sacrifice of Jesus. Even so, if you have to connect fully to the blessings of tithe, you connect back to Levi, who is a custodian, whose commandment was given must receive the tithe, and then you take your root from there and practice what is practicing. You enter into financial rest, and your third generation also come to reap from what you are doing as you connect back to Levi. Are you following what I'm saying there? Praise the Lord. Now let me show you why it is so. Number two who does not have his father cannot be a father in other words cannot do ministry listen closely he who does not have his father cannot be a father am I correct come on talk with me somebody brought you to life and for you to to become a father you must also bring somebody to life am I correct fine so therefore if you become a source of blessing to so your third generation, because you are a father, you must also locate a father in that realm. So who are you locating now? You are locating not just Abraham but who? Levi. So when it comes to Titan, Levi seems to become your father. Are you following what I'm saying here? It looks a little bit confusing. Am I, I don't know. I, am I confusing you? You must connect. Listen, you can't be a father unless you first have a father. And these are basic biblical principles. So that is the first thing. Now listen to what I'm trying to say here. If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse number 18, 8:18, 8, the Bible says, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which His swore unto thy fathers as it is this day. Now, go to Psalm 44, can be writing them down. Psalm 44, verse 3. Put those two scriptures together. For the God not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them, but by the right hand and the arm and the light of the candle because that has a favor unto them. Now, why is this so? God wanted his children to possess Canaan, not because of their strength, but because he's establishing a covenant of the fathers with them. So, number one. God does not make covenant with children. He makes covenant with fathers. And if you want to enter into that covenant to reap, you have to connect to To a father. If you don't have a father, you can't enter into God's covenant and succeed. Because God has no business with children. Are you following what I'm talking about now? So he's telling them here in Deuteronomy 18 and 7 that your work that you have gotten is not because of your struggle it's not because of your strength it's not because of your wisdom but i have allowed this to happen there is something i gave to you that whatever you thought prospers because i'm trying to establish a covenant that i saw with your fathers that's why i say if you don't have a father you can't make progress in life you will listen when you look at down Psalm 44 say not by your sword it's not by fighting. It's not by struggle. It's not by whatever thing you can do. But you possess the land because I swore this land unto, who? unto your father. And so many of you are living without fathers. Practically, even in natural, you don't have fathers. I traveled a few days ago. And there is lady that used to be very close to us, faithful as well. At the beginning of the ministry. And I came, oh daddy, you didn't give me new year gift. And somebody said the same thing to me in Lagos. Oh, Dad, Dad, you didn't give me Christmas Give, You didn't give me New Year Give, I said, all of you, my children, you are wicked people. It is only this father that actually ministers to children. But what I've seen is, during Christmas, children minister to their fathers. Am I talking? Why is it that when it is my turn, you still demand it from me? You are all wicked children. Am I correct? That is the truth. Because when it is Christmas time, you know what to do. You buy rice, you buy this, you send to your father in the village. When my parents were alive, we minister to them on a daily basis, as the Lord provides. Why is it that I minister to my father and my children want me to minister to them? It shows that you don't understand what father is fathering. Listen to me. I can give this practical example. We have one of the big ministers in town here. Let me not mention name. He has a son in the east. His ministry is equally big. But every Christmas, every Christmas, the guy travels from the east with provisions, money, clothes, and gift to this man of God. He will come and say, Daddy, this is your present for the year. His children are minister. Can you even imagine what Isaac told Esau? Huh? Go and provide for me that savoury meat. Is children are ministered to fathers for them to be blessed. You want fathers to bless you all the time and you don't minister to your fathers. How can you succeed in life? And that's what we're talking about. And so when I went to Will and he told me, I said, you are just deceiving yourself. You won't grow beyond the level. I'm not cursing you, but you don't have the right thinking. If you think your father will always be blessing you and you don't ever bless your father. Why am I your father? I'm able to bring you to life. I'm able to keep you. I'm able to raise you. I'm able to establish you. Why am I your father? Don't forget. What you do to me, your children will do to you. So if I be your father, bless me so that your children can bless you when you're old also. Am I talking? Hallelujah. Number three. Titan is the covenant of the fathers moving from Abraham, which is Levi. Whose covenant moved from Abraham to Melchizedek? back to Noah, back to Enoch, back to Seth, back to Adam, and then to God. That's the connecting link. Are you hearing what I'm talking about now? As you are paying your tithe, you are connecting back to all the righteous things, down to Abraham, and then finally back to who? to God. So automatically, God becomes your father. But the chain starts from the righteous seeds. So you start from Abraham, Levi, Melchizedek, Noah, Enoch, Seth, Adam, and the who? Back to God. That's when you pay your tithes. And when you don't do that, you are just disconnecting yourself from the link or the lineage. Hallelujah. Are you still there? Number four. Levi paid tight in Abraham and paid to Melchizedek, priest of Salem. Which is really the honor of a covenant. This is very important. What Levi did was simply an honor. In Abraham. Is that alright? Come on, listen to me. Are you still alive? (laughs) Praise the Lord. If you can write this down. Number five. The difference between a wife and a harlot is that a wife is into a covenant while a harlot is not. Did you hear that? Can I repeat it? When you say somebody is a harlot or somebody is a wife, what's the difference? The wife is into a covenant with a man but a harlot is not. Are you there with me? Now, tithing is a proof of your covenant relationship with God as a wife. (laughs) Glory to God. Did you hear what I'm saying now? So some of us have made ourselves harlots Because we don't pay tithes. So we do not truly prove the covenant relationship that we are supposed to have with our husband, which is God. Is that okay? Is that taken? Alright. Number six. Tithing is an act of honor to God. Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3. Say, trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Verse 5. And lean unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be held to their navels, and marrow to their bones, health. Then when he went down to verse nine, he honour the Lord with that substance, and with the first fruit of all their increase. Now the Basic Bible English render it this way: Give honour to the Lord with your words, and with the first fruit of your increase. So when you pay tithe, you are doing what? You are honouring God. Is that okay? Are you there? Now you can understand. In Malachi chapter one verse six, the Bible says, Malachi one A a son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honour? And if I be a master, where is my fear? See the Lord of hosts. Unto you o priest. That despise my name and say, Wherein have we despised your name? You offer polluted bread upon my altar. And you say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that you said, The table of the Lord is contemptible. If I be your father, Where is my honor? What was God demanding? I respect you, sir. No. Good morning, sir. No. Am I correct? (laughs) He said, So honoreth his father. He said, Honor me with your words. In other words, It is your money. That has to do with honor. And that is why in the book of Matthew, chapter 7, or if, if you look at Mark chapter 7, verse, verse 6, Matthew 7, Mark 7, verse 6, the Bible says, He answered them and said unto them, Well have a prophesied of you by saying, as it is written, These people honorate me with their lips, but their heart is what? Is far away from me. What is in your heart? What is in your heart? It's your money. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He said, you honor me. So Jesus was demanding the same honor. What was he telling the people? Minister to me out of your substance. He wasn't saying, respect me. The proof of you honoring God. Or your father is what you do, not what you say. Come on, am I talking to somebody? Coming to a clap hand, maybe rolling on the ground and shouting, it's also fine that's worshipping God. But I'm talking about honoring God. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 12, if you look at verse 33, Jesus said, Say that you have and give hands, provide yourself best, which works not old. A treasure in the heavens that filleth not. Where no thief ap- approacheth, neither can much corrupt. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There was a bishop, Bishop Pierce, who wrote on this, making this commentary, said, I am here, but my heart is at home. That is with my money. <laughs> he said, I am in church, but my heart is at home. Where my money is. And that is the truth. Am I might correct, somebody? You know, I told you that some time ago. If you come to church and let's give thanks to the Lord, the man that has just made a million, his own way of prayer is different from the man who is owing. Why? What is the difference? They are all in church. We are calling on the same God. But one is thinking about his bank account, he's thinking about interest that will come to him from that bank account. But the poor man is thinking on how to pay off his debts. So in the truth, when we come to a church and pray, we don't pray the same prayer. Am I talking? This is the reality. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so the rich man will say, God, I thank you. I'm only praying that you give me long days. May you not come now so that I can enjoy my words. And the poor man say, God, this suffering is over. Can I be taking home so that I can enjoy my mansion? But see, went to Australia together to get the helmet and the missile and say, if you she agree, I was touching anything. Is there any agreement in the church? Never! Home and say, I'm going home for my mansion. A rich man say, God, give me a long life so that I can enjoy my words. Are you there with me? And so when sickness struck the rich man, it makes alternative. If they can't kill me in this country, I'm going overseas. Or the poor man will take consoling. Say, well, the Lord give her the Lord ticket, Even if I die, the Lord give it, the Lord ticket. See, this is how we pray in church. Are you following what I'm talking about? But the Bible is talking about honor God with what? Your substance. Don't honor Him with your lips. Treasure has to do with deposit. The word treasure, tessarios in the Greek. See, it means a deposit. That is words. Honor God with your words hallelujah let me bring you something here (laughs) Malachi 3 10 number 7 what I want to give to you is God will open the windows of heaven and some of you don't understand this let me show it to you what is window you can't compare a window to a door am I talking here the door is wider the door is bigger I was thinking the Lord will simply say, "When you pay your tithe, I'll you open the door." But He said, "We we'll open window." I begin to wonder, God, why will You open window? Windows so small, You should open the door. If I knock it, it shall be open. Open it. So I pay tithe, I opened or door. God says "His windows are open." And I was meditating. The Lord gave me an answer. Let's look at it. In Malachi three, verse ten, says, "Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse." That there be made in my house, and prove me now with here the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you, what? the windows of heaven, and I pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room for them. Okay, now quickly turn to Genesis chapter 7. Genesis 7. Are we there? Let's reverse verse 9. There went into and two, into, now look at the time of the flood, okay? Into Noah's ark, male and female as God has commanded Noah. And it came to pass, verse 10, after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. Listen closely there. Verse 11. In the six hundred year of Noah's life, in the second month, in the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and what happened? And the windows of heaven were opened and the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. What is windows of heaven? There is an outpouring. Remember the flood was already there. Am I talking there? But when the windows open, what happened? Water began to come from the earth. So what is God telling you when you pay your tithe? <laughs> windows open. It's not just window to see light. There is going to be an outpouring. That's why I said there will be no room for you to store. There is already water. But when the windows of heaven open, much more was poured down. So when you pay your tithe, God opens to you what? Windows of heaven. And that's why you see people like William Colgate, like I mentioned to you in the beginning. And let me explain something. How does water come from the sky? It is done through evaporation and condensation in the air. Am I correct? Very good. So as you pay your tithe, what happens? It's rising. There's an accumulation. And a day comes when the window breaks loose. And all that you seem to have been putting on ground before. Are you hearing me now? Begin to come back to you. So the end of a tithe is greater than its beginning. That's what it means to pour you windows of heaven. I'm talking about just opening the window so you can see like, no. This is all the money you have been paying and tightening and tightening. They are accumulating and building up. And there comes a time in your life, my friend. This is the best way to save for pension. Hmm? That you enjoy this thing at the end of your day. It comes when the windows of heaven begin to blow open. God said, I will open it. Let it be accumulated. That means a time comes when all the money you the Titan becomes too heavy for the sky to contain, to hold back. You know, when the water becomes too heavy, it bursts loose like a balloon and it begins to fall. Am I talking to somebody? That's what Titan does for you. Praise the Lord. Now, number eight, Titan brings revival. Titan brings revival. Second Chronicles 31, 5-10. to 10. And as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance. The fortitude of coin, wine, and oil, and honey. And of all the increase of the field, and the tithe of all things brought they in abundantly. Hallelujah. And concerning the children of Israel and Judah that dwelt in the city of Judah, they also brought in the tithe of oxen and sheep and the tithe of holy things, which were consecrated unto the Lord their God. And led them by heaps. In the third month, they began to lay the foundation of the heaps and finished them in the seventh month. Wow. And when Hezekiah and the priest came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and the people of Israel. Then Hezekiah questioned with the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest of the house of Zadok, answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offering into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat. And I've left plenty. For the Lord have blessed His people. And the which is left is this great store. There Hezekiah commanded to prepare chambers in the house of the Lord. And they prepared them chambers. Did you get that? This is a revival. This unity. Everybody was bringing there was a collective contribution to the house of God. Because there was a stirring within the heart of the people. There was what we call the true spirit of one mind. If we all begin to tithe as it were, there is a kind of revival and abundance and a flow of joy that everyone will receive because now we are in one mind. We are building for the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying there? Hallelujah. I say Hallelujah. So like we said in the beginning, we said the tithe belongs to the Lord. So what is God going to do with tithe? It's like saying, who received the tithe? You may want to ask that question. Numbers chapter 18 verse 21, the Bible says, And behold, I have given the children of Israel all the tent in Israel for an inheritance, for their services which they serve, even the service of tabernacle of the congregation. Amen? Are you still there? Praise the living God. And so in Nehemiah chapter 10 verse 37, the Bible says, and that we should bring the first fruit of our dolphin of offerings and the fruit of all manner of trees, of wine and wine unto the priests, to the chambers of the house of our God, and the tithe of our ground unto the Levite, that the same Levite might have the tithe in all the cities of our village or our tillage. Hallelujah. And then the final scripture is Ezekiel 44, verse 30. And the first fruit of all the first fruit of all the things. And every oblation of all, of every sort of your oblations, shall be the priest. Which person's own? The priest. Ye shall also give unto the priest the first of your dove, that he may cause the blessing to rest in thy house. This blessing is the same thing that connects to who? To Abraham. I'm going to make a father of many nations. Through thee shall the nation of the earth be what? Be blessed. Listen. The blessing of Abraham is when you connect to Abraham through the covenant of Titan. Remember I told you how he moves down to Levi, to Abraham, to Noah. Remember that? You connect all the way down back. And that the pronouncement that came to Abraham that out of you future the nations of the earth will be blessed. You now have to have the blessing that through you other people will need to be what, to be blessed. Listen, you must come out of being the one to be blessed all the time. Is that Okay. You look at a policeman on the road. Sometimes when I drive, they stop me. and They'll be quoting scriptures. There was a day one of them said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. I wanted to tell them that you bless me, then receive the blessing. He said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. They want me to give. If you know it, that it's more blessed to give than to receive, you should be the one to give to me, and not me giving to you. We turn the scripture because we want some things for ourselves. But God, through two of these shall the nations of the earth be blessed. This is one of the ways that raises you to a place where you become a blessing to people. Enough of you being blessed. Come to the place of becoming the blesser. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? These are the keys that make you what God intends you to be on the face of the earth. Don't shy away from it. Don't deceive yourself. The example of the second man I read to you is very clear. When he made the covenant with God, business was moving. When he said, let me hold on, business began to come down. There's a common saying in our language. What you don't want to eat, you don't use your teeth to divide it. Don't even hear if you don't want to practice. God bless you.